Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let me just tell you something. If you don't want God to move, don't sing a song that says come and move. My goodness, he's just like, y'all, I know y'all had plans, but I got other plans. How, how, I love when Jesus just invades everything, amen? Praise God. I'm so glad that you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like you've lost weight. Before you're seated, one verse of scripture, Isaiah chapter 40, verse four says this, every valley must be elevated and every hill leveled. The rough terrain, everybody say the rough terrain, will become a level plain and the rugged landscape will become a wide valley. What we've been into now, this is the third week of this series that we're calling Changes is making room for God to move into our situation. And God wants to involve himself in whatever it is that we're facing. No matter what you're going through, God wants to be a part of it. But here's the thing. He is wanting us to make the pathway smooth. It's not that he can't get through, but God is a gentleman and he won't go where he's not invited. And every one of us have things that are blocking his pathway. So he's saying, if you will get the distractions out of the way, I will invade your story and I will make myself known. So before we sit down one more time, let's invite his word to come alive in this place today. God, we need your presence. We're desperate for your word. We're desperate for your identity. So in the name of Jesus, God, invade us. Give us understanding of your word. And everybody said amen. Y'all can be seated. I am so glad that you are here today. And I, I don't have a lot of preliminaries because God has already done an amazing thing. But before we go any further, I just want to say Buena Asafiwe to all of our family in Kenya. All nine locations of NOLA Church in the nation of Kenya. Come on, NOLA family. Let's give them a hand. Praise God. Praise God. I'm excited. And I want y'all to be praying for them this upcoming week because this past week was election season for the nation of Kenya. And we've been praying for God to do something in the governmental situation there because they didn't know who was going to be elected. And depending on who got in office, there was going to be some direct impact on how we do church over there. And I believe that God's going to keep the doors open for us. Amen. So I'm believing that. So while you're praying this week, just pray for our Kenyan family today. As I said, it's part three of our changes series. Anybody been challenged over the last few weeks? If you missed any part of this, I want to encourage you to go to nolachurch.com or look Nola Church up on YouTube and you can get caught up on every one of the sermons and you can find your spot there. And I promise you, there's going to be a part of this series that bumps you. Look at your neighbor, say, he's coming for you. But here's the beautiful thing in this. God is meeting us. And in every place that we walk into this season of changes, God is calling us. And for so many people, calling has become a job interview. God's calling me. In other words, God has something for me to do. Anybody ever heard something like that? And we describe our calling as our action. And Earlier this year, we, we went into a series where we learned that that's actually not even a biblical way to approach it. Your calling has nothing to do with your actions. Calling has everything to do with God inviting you into a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. 
Calling is not saying, here, go do this. Calling is saying, no, come be with me. I want to be in relationship with you. And that's why every human who has ever lived and everyone who ever will live is called by Jesus into relationship. The Bible tells us that many are called. And there, there's, there's always a calling that's going out. But what, what I believe God is trying to do in this church, and we can begin to see the evidence of it. A few weeks ago, we baptized 11 people into the family of God, and I can't wait to see what happens. Last week, we baptized five more. We're baptizing somebody again today. We're so excited for you. God is responding to us leaning into this relational place with him. And he's saying, I want to be with you. And when we lean in there, he begins to breathe things into our story. He begins to speak things into our spirit and we can begin to grow. So the whole reason for this series of changes is when God begins to call, he doesn't call us to stay the same. The first part of the series, we learned about the calling to repentance, where God is calling us to change our minds, then change our actions. A lot of times, repentance has become nothing more than just confession. We say, I need Jesus, and then we keep on living the exact same way that we've lived up to that point, and that's not God's plan. He says, I'm calling you to repentance, so I want you to change your mind, and then I want you, everybody say me. me. Say it like you're going to preach with me, say me. God wants me, God wants you to change our actions. And when we do this, we begin to make those rough places smooth. We begin to elevate the low spots. We begin to tear down the high places where we've worshiped false idols. We make it a very smooth pathway for God to invade every part of our lives. And we've, we've looked at repentance, and then last week we looked at surrender. I encourage you, go watch those sermons and get caught up with where we are. Today, is if you need a title, it's simply going to be this, A Call to Belief. Everybody say belief. belief. We have spent a lot of time over the last couple of years unpacking what belief actually is and what belief is not. And we're going to dive into another aspect of belief today that I believe is very relevant. And if you don't mind, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. This is where we're going to be the bulk of the sermon. We're going to look at just a few verses here. I want to jump into the middle of the chapter and then we'll go back and look at a few verses at the beginning. But this is in the middle of a series of prophecies that, that God speaks through the prophet Isaiah. And he is speaking these prophecies directly to his people, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. The thing that I love about the book of Isaiah is it's, it's kind of like a thumbnail of the entire Bible. Like if you read the entire book of Isaiah from chapter one all the way to the end, it, it is one of the longest books in the Bible. It, it's a line, it's thick. Like you get to read like, dang Isaiah, you're saying a lot of stuff. And it's, it's thick, but you can see a good overview picture of God's plan from the beginning all the way to the catching away. You begin to see everything that God has in store for us. And right in here in the middle of the book, in, in Isaiah chapter 43, th this is a prophecy where God is speaking directly of his, his theme or his characteristic of rescue. And he is speaking to the nation of Israel because they have drifted away from him and they have been, they've been sold out into slavery. They've been, they've been overtaken. They keep struggling. Anybody know about the children of Israel? Anybody know about you struggling? Like we all on the struggle bus sometimes every day I'm struggling and struggling. You know, there, there's things that happen. It was that too old or was that just a dumb one? All right. They don't get any better. So brace yourself. 
When you're on the struggle bus, you feel like you've got no breath. When you're on the struggle bus, you feel like you've got no place to go. And this is exactly where the children of Israel find themselves. They're struggling. And God speaks into their circumstances and says, I know that you're hurting. I know that you're living in the consequence of your choices. Somebody hear me. But even in the middle of your consequence that you brought about, I'm still reaching for you. Somebody thankful for the calling of God where he says, I don't care where you're at. My arm is not weak. My arm is not short. I can find you wherever you are. Amen, amen. So let's look at verse 10 here. And this is God in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with his people. Verse 10 of Isaiah 43, this is God speaking. He says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord. You are my witnesses. And he says, my servant whom I have chosen. And you, you, you dig into this and you, you begin to see that there is a difference. There's a calling and then there's a choosing. And the vast majority of the time when we hear the word calling or someone's talking about their calling, they're actually talking about God's choice for them. And you can see this in Matthew 22, verse 14. He says, I, I call a lot of people, but there's a few select people that I choose. Everyone's called, but few are chosen. And he's speaking directly to his people. He says, you are my witnesses, the servant that I have chosen. And notice this, so that you may consider and believe in me. I want you to first consider, and then I want you to believe in me. And then I want you to understand that I am he. God wants you to grasp something as he is reaching for you in the calling, as he begins to rest his choice for your life on your shoulders and begins to reveal this to you, he's asking you to consider, he's asking you to believe, and he's calling you to understand that he is who he says he is. And then he, he just like seals it up with the bow. No God was formed before me and none will outlive me. God does not ask you to trust him randomly. God is not asking you to just, well, you just believe because I said, no, no. I've looked around. He says, there is no God but me. Before there was, I am. Before anything began, I already was. I, I've been in the past before the present even got here. In fact, I don't exist inside of time. Time exists inside of me. There is no other source and because of who I am, you can trust everything that I say. Because here's the deal, y'all. God's word is entirely dependent on his sovereignty. The minute he stops being God, this no longer applies. But as long as he is, everybody say he is. Like one of my pet peeves is when people talk about, well, you know, Jesus was. No, Jesus wasn't was. Jesus is. In the beginning was the word in, because the word was with God and the word was God and then the word became flesh. The word of God still is, amen. He is the author and the finisher. He's not something that was in the past. He was there before time began. And because of who he is and because of his sovereignty, you can trust everything that comes out of his mouth. And when he speaks into your circumstance, you don't have to be worried about, is it going to happen or not? No, did he say it? 
Well, it's not happening yet. Well, hang on, baby, because it's going to happen because he's not a man that he should lie. If it comes out of his mouth, every word that comes out of the mouth of God is forever settled. His word is entirely dependent on his sovereignty. But he is calling. Everybody say, he's calling me. He's calling every one of us in this room and everybody watching. He is calling us to three very specific things. I want to break these down. Consider, believe, and understand. So let's break down what these words are. The first word is consider. He's saying, I want you to consider who I am. So to consider means to know or to perceive. It also means to know by experience. In other words, I I didn't just know this because someone told me this. I have experienced this that I am considering. It's also to recognize. Because of my experience and because of what I've learned, I recognize what I see in front of me. Does that that make sense? But there's another thing in consideration. Consideration is not just something that happens here. Consideration is also something that happens right here. Because when you truly consider, you are willing and able to declare and to make known what you have seen. So when God, like, God called somebody to preach, but he didn't call me to preach. That's not true. If you have heard the voice of God and you have received him into your heart, you are called to openly declare who saved you and who redeemed you and who began to speak into your circumstance. You are called to openly declare the reality of who your God is. But this only happens when you begin to consider. Now let's look at belief. This is the other calling that is in this prophecy is he's calling you to consider and to believe. And and as many of you know, belief is truly this, to trust rely and obey. Belief is not just acknowledgement. That would be easy. The Bible says that even the demons acknowledge that there's a God. So if you know there's a God, good. You're on the same playing field with devils. I'm not talking about your family members or your coworkers. You, you, you're on the same playing field with angels that have been booted out of the heavenlies. Trust, rely, and obey is what true belief is. I trust that he is who he says he is. And because I trust him, I can rely on him as my source. And because I trust and I rely on him, obeying him is not a chore. Obeying him is not a drudgery. I don't have to argue with him. I don't have to, well, that's not my personal conviction. No, he said it, I will obey it because of who he is. That's what real belief is. Real belief is not just a call to acknowledgement. It's a call to acceptance and then a living out what you have heard. But it doesn't stop there. Real belief is also meaning to stand firm. My mind goes to Paul's letter. He says, when you've done all to stand, stand. Anybody know what that, like, I've done everything I can to do and I don't know what to do. Well, just keep doing it, baby. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? I'm standing here. Stand in the place where you live. All the over 35s or 40-somethings know where I'm at. Think about direction, wonder why you haven't before. Y'all don't know good music? Okay, whatever. You have to stand. You have to learn to stand. The problem with our generation today is when life bumps us, we're like, oh, I got to get out of here. This is not God's will for me. There's a challenge, so I need to... Like, there's things that comes out of bulls that apply to that right there. 
Life is going to challenge you. If life hasn't challenged you, you're not even alive. Or you've been hiding under rock the last three years. Life is a challenge. And when life challenges you, that doesn't mean God has abandoned you, nor is it a license or an invitation for you to abandon God. Life bumps you and he says, stay right there, I got you. Well, I need you to get me now. I need you to shut up and be patient. No, do it now. I will end you. No. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. I said, you know, like God's speaking through the clenched teeth. We are in public. Do not make me. <laughs> Y'all know, like God is speaking. He's like, I've got you, but you can't see it. Because I do my work in a place that you can't even recognize. Trust me. Trust me. Rely on me. Obey me and stand firm even when it doesn't feel like it's happening. The problem is we chase our feelings. And society has convinced us that's the right way to live. And church doesn't want to get canceled. So church says, oh, that, the feelings are where we go. Oh, yeah, that's what we do. Just trust your feelings. No, stop trusting your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will take you down a pathway where you're completely lost and you feel just fine, but you're about to walk into quicksand. Is quicksand a real thing? Does it even exist anymore? I know it existed in the, in the cowboy movies, but I don't know. Like, we trust ourselves and that is the problem. We need to learn to stand firm. I'm not moving till you tell me to move. Come on, somebody get the tenacity of Moses that says, you're calling me to do this? Great, I'm not going until you go before me. I don't come, I don't care what happens. Come hell, come high water, I'm not moving until you go ahead of me because I cannot make it without you. I rely entirely on who you are and because you are my God and because you are the author and finisher of my faith, I don't care what my feeling is in this moment. I have a, I have a belief that goes much deeper than the surface. I've got a belief that has been birthed in the prayer room. I've got a belief that has been birthed in the altar and no matter what what I face, I know my Redeemer liveth. When, when challenges come, my God says, let me show you who I really am. Like, don't, don't be afraid of the challenge. Don't be afraid of the trial because that's when God reveals his true nature. So don't, don't back up. Pastor, I just need some time alone. No, you don't. You need to be in the presence of the Almighty. You need to be surrounded by other believers. You need, your belief is shaken, no problem. Come hang on me for a minute because my belief ain't shaken because my God has proved himself time after time. That doesn't mean that I don't have my moments. I do have my moments. That's why God gave me my wife because in my moments, my wife's like, shut up, boy. You don't know what you're doing. We have to learn to believe Trust, rely, obey, and stand firm. I'm not backing up. Somebody, this is not, I'm not even planning on going here, but somebody needs to hear me. I am not backing up no matter what happens because I believe. I believe. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe. Look back at them and say, don't stop. There you go. That's stop, stop. Let's look at the third one. Everybody say understand. understand. What does understand mean? Understand means to discern, to be attentive, to think accordingly. Let me break that down real quick. What does it mean to discern? 
Learn to read the room. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very, very transparent here. <laughs> My wife's like, oh, God, where were we? <laughs> when, when we lived in California, I was invited to a ministry symposium that was about ministering to people that were in poverty, homeless people and needy families and things. And definitely there, there's a huge need and a huge place for this in, in the church. There was about 300 people in this room and sometimes I don't know how to read the room. I'm, I'm one of those people that, that struggles with a, with a filter sometimes. <clears throat> Bless me, Lord Jesus. I've already asked for forgiveness for this. But it's about 300 people in the room and for whatever reason, the guy that was running this knew me. And so he says, this, in, in this expression of faith, they call everybody brother and sister. They're like, Brother Young, and I look around for my dad, but like, Brother Young, could you come on the stage and uh, answer a few questions? I was like, oh God, bless me, Lord. I am about to sin, you know. <laughs> and they said, how do you really feel about this? And I said, I, I, it's needful and it reminds me of a truth that I've learned a long time ago that the, the best thing about dating a homeless person is when the date's over, you just drop them off. Okay, you're laughing, they were not. And you know what? They were right for not laughing because that was wrong. I did not know how to read the room. I had no spiritual discernment in the moment. I had no like life discernment either, just being real. But like, you gotta have discernment. You gotta have understanding. Here's the deal. God is gonna speak something to you when you lean in. That doesn't mean it's time to go share it with the world. That is not God calling you to a ministry. He's not telling you to open up a website, write a book and like start sending out a daily. That's not what he's doing. This is not for everybody else. This is for you. God, I need you to speak to me. Do this and so. Well, let me go tell everybody. No, close your mouth. It's not for everybody. Use your inside voice. This is for you and God. He's speaking to you. You got to have discernment. You, ask, you also have to learn how to be attentive. You're never going to understand what he's saying if you're too busy doing this. Or if you're hearing so many other input sources, then you're not going to recognize when he speaks to you. You gotta learn to be attentive. You gotta learn to be in that space where you give him room to speak. And then you gotta learn to think accordingly. What does this mean? It does not matter what your background is in faith. I promise you, there are some things that you do not know. It does not matter what you've experienced. I promise you there are some aspects of who God is that you have never even remotely scratched the surface of. It doesn't matter what you've done for God. There is always more that can be done in you and through you. So when the word of God comes, you need to learn to think according to the word, not through the lens of your own limitations. 
But this is what we do. Well, I've never heard that before. It must not be real. My last church said it like this. That's why God told you to leave. That one wasn't as popular, but it was still true. I've never experienced this before, so therefore it can't be real. No. Just because you've never heard that you need to be baptized in the spirit of God, get the Holy Ghost, old school Pentecostal style, that doesn't mean that that is not a gift that is for you. Just because you've never heard someone talk about the value of operating in the spiritual gifts does not mean that they've ceased to apply. Just because there's a part of his identity that you've never scratched the surface of doesn't mean that he's not reaching for you right now saying, hey, don't stop it, just repenting. Move on into where I've got something more for you. Because God is not done working in us. And this is the value of considering, believing, and understanding. So what I want to do is, I, I, it, Eden, if you don't mind, put that scripture back on uh, 43 verse 10. Put it back on the screen. I, I, I want to show you this here. You are my witnesses. What is he talking about? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. When the spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is a precursor to the, the Acts chapter 1 verse 8 prophecy. He is telling the people of God, you are my witnesses. You, you need to understand this. You're not here by accident. You're not here just to go through the motions. You are called and you are designed by God. And you have been chosen to be a witness of who he is and the work that he is already doing. He says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, the servant whom I have chosen that you may consider and believe in me and understand that I am he. What am I witnessing? Consideration, belief, and understanding. Not feelings, not pop culture, not politics, not entertainment, not groupthink, not all the things that we find in society. We're only supposed to witness what we have seen, heard, and experienced out of the mouth of Almighty God. So I want you to hear me today. Jesus is calling you to a new belief. Let's do a real quick poll. Anybody in the house been in or around the church for longer than 20 years? Let me see your hand real quick. Cool. I'm, I'm there too. Anybody here been in or around the church less than a year? That's a new shift at Nola Church. That's a new thing. God, God's laying some foundation. Anybody been here, or not in this church, but around the move of God less than five years? Got a few more hands going up. Okay, all right. So we've got a wide swath of people here. We've got people with a lot of lifetime of experience. And we got some people that are kind of like babies in Christ, right? Here's the reality, hear me. Sometimes those of us that have been around a lot longer are no more developed than the ones that have been in this a year or two years. Because it's very easy to get caught up in a belief system that we got 20, 30 years ago and think that that's all there is and we lock down. And he's like, I got something more. Like, no, I don't want to go. Kind of like when I take Adia to work on Saturday mornings when she's got to be there at 7. She's like, no. Like the whole way, no. Like, get out of the car, no. They're looking at you. I don't care. <laughs> I'm like pushing her out of the car. Sometimes this is what happens to us. 
older Christians are babies in Christ, just like new Christians. And I want you to hear me. God is calling every person under the sound of my voice to a new belief. This is going to challenge you. This is going to bump you. You're not going to necessarily understand it. That's why you have to first consider it. Then you have to trust his sovereignty and believe it. Then understanding will come. Does this make sense? You're not going to get understanding the first time you hear the word of God on everything. You have to start with consideration. Then you move into belief, and that's when understanding begins to overtake. Does this make sense? So we're going to go, kind of go on a little bit of a journey. Here's where it is. You have to understand this, that your life is a living witness to what you believe. Your life is a living witness to what you believe. Don't tell me you believe something about God if everything that you say and do outside of church does not align with what you say you believe. Don't tell me that you believe God can do anything and then you cry because things are not happening the way that you want them to happen. That's not being mean. That's just being truthful. Don't tell me, I, I believe God can do anything and they're like, but no, we, we probably shouldn't take that step because that's, a, that's an action or a response out of faith or a lack of faith. The life that you and I live is a direct reflection of what we truly believe, not just what we say with our mouths what we know in our minds and then the actions of our lives. So let me ask this. Do you truly believe him, believe him or do you surrender to your fear? Every one of us are going to face fear, right? Every one of us. It doesn't matter if you've been in this 25, 30 years, if you've been in this five minutes, there's going to be moments when you're going to get scared. Life is going to happen and you're going to, I don't know what to do here. And that first day out, out of the box, when you like, I made Jesus the Lord of my life, and that next day it all hell breaks loose. I don't know what to do. That's, that's cool. You don't know what to do yet. But when you've been around this a minute, that's when that word of God comes like, hey, 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 I haven't given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you've been in this 20 years and you're still being overcome with fear, you need to recognize that you need to spend some more time considering and work on your belief so that you can begin to understand. Because if you've been around this a minute and you still don't understand that even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Like you can't just sing that if you just met him because you don't know. It's like a five-year-old trying to tell me how to raise kids. You don't know Jack. Go get a gummy pop and shut up, you know. But when you've been around this, he's proven himself to you over and over and over again. And if you're still giving in to fear, my friend, it doesn't make you evil. But let me just tell you, you are not living in real belief. You're living in a place of misunderstanding because you're leaning on what you know instead of who your sovereign is. And you got to understand this. Many are called, but few are chosen. If you've accepted him into your life and you're surrendering your life to him, if you're learning how to live a life of repentance, he chose you. 
There's something he wants you to do. There's a place he wants you to go. There's a word that he wants you to say. There is a relationship that he wants to be in with you and he wants to connect someone else to him through you. There is a choice of God on your life. But let me ask you this. Are you chasing his choice or are you chasing your own? That's that's the popular thing nowadays. Choices have consequences. This isn't a political statement. It's just the truth. Choices have consequences. And when we choose our own way over his way, there is a consequence that comes directly from the choice that we've made. The challenge that he's giving us is, hey, I want you to accept and surrender to my choice for you. Because my way is better than your way. But I don't understand. No problem. Consider this. Let that consideration develop into belief. You'll understand it better by and by. There will be a time when you understand it. You might not understand it now, but just learn to consider and believe where I am and what I'm saying. And this new belief that he's calling you to is a belief that goes beyond yourself. This is a belief that's founded entirely on who he is. Because hear me on this. This is so important. His identity is the foundation of true belief, not our opinions. If our belief is based on what we think about something, our identity is going to fall apart. If our belief is established on something that we've gathered to ourselves, if it's about us, our belief is very short-lived. But when we can begin to rebuild a true belief system on the identity of the author and the finisher of our faith, not on denominational Christianity, not on past experiences, not on past glories, not on limitations, not on what's happening around us, but when we say everything that I believe is entirely based on who you are and nothing else, this is when real belief begins to invade our lives. Let me ask you this question. Does your belief establish your lifestyle or is it the other way around? Do you live what you like or do you live what you believe? This is the challenge. So God's calling me to to believe. What what is this all about? I want you to go in Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to look at just two verses here and then I'm going to be done. Isaiah 43, the beginning of verse one says this. Now this is what the Lord says. Who says it? Come on, say it like you preach with me. Who says it? Who is the Lord? The one who created you and formed you. Not only did I create you, I formed you. What does this tell us? It's not accidental. Your creation, your forming is not accidental. It's not random. It is extremely intentional. The problem with the church today is we're raising kids who are so influenced by the world and when they go to school, they learn that they're an accident of the cosmos and there is no creator. It's just an accidental thing that just happened to happen. It's random. No wonder there is so much confusion in in kids' identities today. 
when you know where you come from, when you know who created you, when you begin to understand and consider and believe and understand with a fullness, I am created in the image and the likeness of the Almighty, and I was formed in my mother's womb before he ever created anything by the hand of Almighty God. I am not an accident. I am not random. I am very fearfully and wonderfully made. When this begins to happen in your life, this is when belief really begins to be established. So the furnace where where real belief is forged in our life is the furnace of prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Prayer is where we hear the voice of God. Here's the other thing that happens in prayer. Prayer is where our beliefs actually begin to align with truth. It's possible to believe things that are not truth, right? There's a good friend of mine that sometimes likes to argue with me about, oh, I'm I'm sorry, Kim. (laughs) I have a cousin, great guy. I still don't know if he's being serious or if he's joking. I I honestly don't know because he's one of those that does the long con. Like he's been telling the same joke for like 15 years and we're waiting on the punchline. He's one of those kind of people. Every now and then he'll send me a random text about how the earth is flat. I think he believes it. He's wrong. But I think he believes it. If you happen to believe it, sorry. There's also no Santa Claus, just in case you were wondering. But you can believe it, but you're wrong. You're sincere, but you're wrong. Sincerity is not the measure. You can believe something that does not align with truth. You can believe all day long that the moon landing was done in a soundstage on the backside of Burbank, California. That does not make it true. You can believe that Lee Harvey Oswald shot John F. Kennedy, but that doesn't make it true. I believe conspiracies like the rest of us. You can believe that aliens are out there and they're coming for all the people in New Mexico. That does not necessarily make it true. But that's where Pastor John's from and then he worked at NASA. So I'm just saying there's probably a connection. Maybe, I'm just saying. You can believe something and it not be true. But when you are in the furnace of prayer, your beliefs begin to be realigned with everything that is coming out of the mouth of God. This is what's so important. This is not a book. This is Jesus. And when you get into the furnace of prayer and the fire of the Holy Spirit begins to surround you as you begin to make your petition known in front of him and the Fire and the burning of the Holy Ghost begins to burn up the carnality in your life. It also begins to burn up the dross of bad belief and it begins to go away. And next thing you're like, I didn't believe that before, but the more I spend at the throne room, the more time I spend at the feet of Jesus, the more that my belief system begins to change. And he is calling you and I to a place of belief that we will never walk into until we learn to pray. So let me bring this to a close here. And bring it to a close. I'm going to be a good Baptist person. I'm going to give you three points here. Y'all ready? 
Good Baptist three point. Here we go. Three ways to change your belief. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to change your belief. Number one, you have to live in faith, not fear. Number one, you got to learn to live in faith, not fear. I don't know how to do that. You got to look at the second part of Isaiah 43 and one. He says, don't be afraid for I will protect you. I'm scared of what's going to happen. That's because you don't know who your protector is. Anybody got a situation in your life, in your family, in your circumstance, and you're scared? That does not make you evil. But let me be the voice crying out in the wilderness right now. You don't have to be afraid of what happens because my God will protect you. You don't have to be scared of what's going on. He's already out in front of you. He's already coming behind you. He's already beside you. He's covering you. He's beneath you. He's completely surrounding you, and nothing will befall you. He's your God. He will protect you. Number two, this is how you change your belief. Y'all ready? Number two, live his calling, not your limitations. I don't know how to do that. It ain't about you. Here's the deal, y'all. I'm not worried about what happens tomorrow. Is everything perfect today? Not even remotely. I thought you were a believer. Everything is wonderful when you're hogwash. I don't know what you believe in, but that, that ain't the truth. But I have learned in my short, soon to be 50 years, Albanese gummies and Reese's peanut butter cups, by the way, in case you're wondering, that's what you buy for your pastor on his birthday. David's going to bring me a big old giant bag. Good to see you, David. I've missed you the last few weeks. I can't wait till Charlie's Seafood opens back up and we're going to come join you and just sup with you. It's going to be amazing. How's that for a free plug? But David always brings me these big giant bags of, I don't know what he thinks he's doing. You're going to give me diabetes, bro, but that's okay. I love you for that. But I'm not worried about what happens tomorrow. This doesn't scare you. I didn't say that. I get scared just like you do. But I've learned something in my short life. It's way better when I just simply let him be God and I stop trying to take his place. There's this thing going on TikTok like if I could trade places with God. You don't want to trade places with God because then you would have to deal with you. Like, it's like in that movie, Bruce Almighty, where the guy who interprets our thoughts, Morgan Freeman, he does the voiceovers for everything that you're thinking. He's playing the role of God and, and Jim Carrey's playing Bruce. And God switches places. And Bruce wrecks everything. That's exactly what you would do if you could trade places with God. You don't want him to swap places with you. You'd get in trouble fast. But when you just simply learn to trust him and the fact that he is inviting you to be with him, don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry about what you can't do. Don't worry about what's missing in your life. 
Lean on the reality that if the Lord is your shepherd, you have all that you need. Right, but I'm, I'm not sure I get this. Cool. Look at the end of verse 1 of, of Isaiah chapter 43. He says, I call you by name. You are mine. But I don't know how to do this. Who do you belong to? But, but I don't understand. Who do you belong to? Who's your daddy? My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My father is the mighty God. My father is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He's the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the one who robed himself in flesh, died on a cross for me, got up out of the grave, and then baptized me with his character. That's who my daddy is. I don't know who yours is, but my daddy can do more chin-ups than the devil ever thought of doing. When life throws a curveball at me and I'm completely surrounded by what's missing and it happens on the regular, I don't lean into what I don't have. I lean into everything that my father has. And the Bible says that he holds it all in the palm of his hands. Don't be regulated by your limitations. Lean into your calling. And then number three, everybody say number three. Oh, this, oh, just, just close your eyes and, and hear this. Trust his process, not your feelings. Pastor, why, why are you coming for feelings? Because we chase them and we believe them. And all they are is check engine lights. They're not necessarily reality. Trust his process. I can't see what he's doing. Who is he? Is he some religious figure from the ancient? Or is he the author and finisher of your faith? Look at verse 2. Here's what it says. Somebody that's bumping into life right now, I want you to hear the truth. When you pass through the waters, when you, not, not if you pass through the waters. In other words, you're going to get wet. If you walk outside and it's raining and you don't have an umbrella, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get wet. If you wake up in the morning and you begin to breathe and you leave the comfort of your house, you're going to face trials in your life. It's going to happen. So when you pass through the waters, know this, I am with you. Somebody came today and you've been carrying around the pain of the last week. I want you to hear the voice of your God reaching for you right now. You got wet this past week. You got wet this past month. You've been going through absolute hell the last couple of years. Let me tell you, I am with you. No matter what you face tomorrow, I am with you. But not every trial you face is, is going to be as bad as the water. Sometimes you just kind of get like your ankles wet. You go through the streams. These are the little bumps in the road. These are the, oh, I got mud all over my shoes. They unfriended me on Facebook. Or, or is anybody still even on Facebook? Or they voted the wrong guy in or the wrong girl in. Or they passed a law I don't agree with. Or my team lost. That's about to happen. 
I promise you, if you're a Saints fan, it's going to happen. Just brace yourself. I'm, I'm, I bleed purple and gold. We, we, at some point, when you bleed purple and gold, you're going to face the tide. It's going to happen. We don't like it. You're going to come up against Satan. I mean, Saban. You're going to face some trials and, and you, you're probably going to stumble. They're going to score a little bit. But when you pass through those streams, hear me, hear me, hear me. They will not overwhelm you. I feel overwhelmed, but they will not. I know it feels like it, but they're not going to overwhelm you. Why? Because I am with you. But sometimes it's not just me getting wet. Sometimes it hurts. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it hurts. I wake up in the morning and I don't even have the strength to get out of bed. I, every time I go to work, I feel like I'm just being attacked. I go to school and I feel like everything's against me. I, as I walk through life, everything is falling apart. Life hurts when you go through the fire. Not if, when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. And hear this, the flames, the things that are attacking you will not harm you. Here's the deal. Anybody got an older brother or sister? If you do, then you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes older siblings like to slap. Imani, don't slap your sisters. Deshaila, if she slaps you, you call me. I'll come help you out. We youngers got to stick together, right? There would be times like some fool bought my brother boxing gloves for Christmas. Okay, he's five years older than me. And always has outweighed me by close to 100. Always. Like day one, he's born 100 pounds heavier than me. That's not true. The more that I get older, the closer I get to him. But you know, the things, things are starting to even out now. I still have to use a chair to reach him. But I was, I was like this little scrawny, like, emaciated little twerp. Here's my brother, like working out. Yeah. And some fool buys him boxing gloves for Christmas. And he pummeled the dookie out of me like every day. That was his favorite thing. Hey, we're going home from school. Guess what I'm going to do today? Oh, God. I hid them and he went and found them and then punished me for hiding his boxing gloves. It hurt. But I only twitch on Tuesdays. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It hurt, but it didn't harm me. Things are going to happen in your life that hurt. But when you lean into who he is and you've been in conversation with the author and finisher of your faith, even though it hurts, it will have no lasting harm. How can that even be? Because before you ever got into it, he had already provided a way of escape out of it. So I want you to hear me this. Just like we closed every sermon in this series, Revelation 3.20. I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I'm going to come in. Jesus is calling you to new belief. Here's what he's doing. 
He's calling you to pray. He's not calling you to talk at him. Read in and around Isaiah 43. You're going to find a verse of scripture where he says, hey, let's settle this. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as snow. I just want to be in a conversation with you. I know your situation before you ever tell it to me. So how about, how about you say less? Let me talk for a minute. Well, well, I wouldn't even know how to pray without saying things. Leave religion behind. Leave your prayer book behind. In fact, leave your prayer journal behind. Take your Bible into the presence of God and say, Word of God, speak. Fall down like rain. And just invite his word into your life. Because when the word of God begins to speak into your situation, it might be through just sitting in his presence. It might be through you reading something in the Bible. It might be through a worship song. It might be through a brother or sister coming up saying, hey, I was praying and the Lord told me to tell you this. But let the word of God meet you where you are and respond to his calling to be in conversation with you and watch how your belief system begins to change. This sound good to anybody? Right where you're sitting, nobody moving. I think it'd be great right now if every eye would be closed, every head would be bowed. We're getting ready to go into water baptism. That's so awesome. But I want somebody to hear me. God is calling you to a place of belief. He's in this room right here, right now. And he's saying, I want to do more than you understand. I wonder if there would be anybody under the sound of my voice, maybe even somebody watching the video who would just simply say, I need a new belief to come alive in my life right here, right now. If that's who you are, without any hesitation, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to throw both hands up in the air and I want you to begin to open your mouth and openly declare that your God is greater than any circumstance that you're facing. Come on, somebody. I see, I see people standing up all over the building. This is so awesome. God sees you. Anybody going through a trial, you need to stand. Stand on your faith. Stand on the truth of who your God is and say, God, you are greater than anything that I'm facing. God, you're greater than anything that I'm facing. Lord, you're greater than anything that's coming against me. You're greater than anything that I don't know. Lord, you're greater than anything that, I, that I've misunderstood. Lord, you're greater than anything that I believed in the past. Lord, you're greater than anything that I've ever experienced, God. In fact, Lord, you are exceedingly, you are abundantly higher than anything that I could ever ask or even think. So God, right now, I give myself completely and totally to you. Come on, somebody, respond to his call to prayer. Come on, say it like this. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all else, you ask or think exceedingly.